Jesus Christ, son, you better get your ass serious because Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to take his ass to Philadelphia, check right in to the SmackDown Hotel, roll right in to room 316, and burn that son of a bitch to the ground. Welcome to Clutch Time with Mike on the mic. We're here with Mike on the mic, your favorite mic, listening to your favorite podcast. Today we bring you episode eight of the podcast. We're moving on up here, moving on up to the east side. Um, today on episode eight, just want to talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is one of my favorite basketball players. Now, I have been critical of him in the past, but that's part of the job. But Kyrie Irving is one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I just kind of want to talk about his legacy and how I see it's going downhill. It's not going the way that I'm pretty sure he thought it was. Um, and you really can attribute that to some moves he's made in the last few years, but we're going to get into that. Um, we're also going to talk about something that I saw on Facebook and I had to comment on, um, my man's George Foxwell or Fox as he's more commonly known as, um, said something about Trey Young and Steph Curry. And I wholeheartedly agree as well as everybody else that was on the post. Um, shout out to Jay Owen, shout out to, uh, Kadeem Jim Wright, a.k.a. Juice, and uh, Schmader's Footwear, schmadersfootwear.com. Check it out. Um, and I also want to talk about this uh, picture that's been going around. It's a WWE picture where people have been asking my my opinion on it only because everybody knows I like wrestling. So we're going to talk about that, too, because um, it's, it's pretty funny, and you can tell people, you know, they got their favorites and stuff, but just being realistic on the picture, you know, just had to be realistic on it. But like I said, let's get into it. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving. So anybody who knows anything about Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving is one of the most, I don't know the word. He's one of the most greatest shows you've ever seen on a basketball court. That's that's what you could say. Um, Kyrie Irving's handles are second to nobody. I have never seen anybody with better handles than Kyrie Irving on a basketball court. That man is a wizard. If there was anything as such as called an under-the-rim player, like Kyrie not dunking on folk, he ain't catching alleys. But as they call it, the English, the English that to which he uses to spin the ball off the backboard and lay it in from any and every angle, it's, oh, my God. Um, Kyrie's been in the league seven years complete. This will be his eighth year. He's an NBA champion. He is a, um, Olympics MVP. He's got a gold medal. He's a six-time all-star. He's made one NBA, uh, one NBA all-team and he won the rookie of the year. So if anybody knows anything about Kyrie Irving and his career outside of the handles, and the unbelievable layups and just the the show that is Kyrie Irving. At this point in his career, the thing that he's remembered the most for is Game 7 in Oracle Arena, 2016 NBA Finals, to which uh, Kyrie's uh, Cavs were down three games to one. Going into Game 5, Kyrie and LeBron became the first pair of teammates to score 40-plus points in a Finals game. Kyrie had 41. LeBron had 41. Awesome game. Game six, Kyrie scored another 30. Game seven, Kyrie hit the shot of shots. They, after one hell of a block by uh, 
LeBron. The Cavs came down. They missed the shot. Then the Warriors came down, missed the shot. Cavs got the rebound. They ended up calling a timeout. They called the play in the huddle. LeBron tells uh, Tyron Lou, hey, let Kyrie shoot it. Kyrie gets the ball. Well, they 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 give uh, J.R. Smith the ball. They do the pick and roll. They get Kyrie mixed on with um, Steph Curry, which, of course, was the plan because Steph is just not a great individual defender. Um, he hit him with a little, little hezzy, another little hezzy, step to the side, buckets. As Uncle Drew would say, we get buckets. Uncle Drew is Kyrie Irving, for those that don't know. So that was the shot of shots. Then he went on that summer to lead Team USA um, to the Olympic gold, and he was named the MVP of the Olympics. So at that time, Kyrie was 24 years old, on top of the world, an all-star, an NBA champion, um, playing with the best player in the world. Kyrie had it all. But during the summer of which they won the championship, this didn't come out until later on, but Kyrie was ready to leave Cleveland. And the reason why is because Kyrie came into the league, the number one overall pick. He went to Cleveland the year after LeBron left Cleveland to go to Miami, and he was basically told, this is your franchise. This is what you need to do. Now, Kyrie himself like I said, is a wizard on the court. He was an all-star, all of that. Rising Stars Challenge, Brandon Knight ankles are still being put back together for how bad Kyrie broke his ankles in that game. Um, So he was the man in Cleveland for three years. Granted, they weren't winning at all. They had one of the worst records over three years um, in the NBA. They weren't sniffing the playoffs. And the one year that the Cavs did have a lot of expectations was – um, Kyrie's third year, it was Kyrie, Deion Waiters, and some other players on the team, but it finally looked like they might turn the corner. You know, it was only Kyrie's third year in the league, so they might turn the corner. Didn't happen. I think they won something like 33 games and still didn't sniff the playoffs in the East, since everybody loves to say the East is so weak. But um, he didn't sniff the playoffs, and his whole thing with management was um, there were – whispers, rumblings about whether or not LeBron was going to come back to Cleveland. And as far as Cleveland management knew, they didn't know per what they said and per the the documentary about LeBron coming back to Cleveland. The only people that really knew that he was going to be coming back to Cleveland was him and probably his inner circle. So Kyrie had no idea as well as management telling him that, you know, it was going to be his team, which is what Kyrie wanted. And Kyrie read, read up, you know, back before the TV deals and the new CBA, a five-year extension off your rookie uh, contract for about $120 million was the standard, or five years, $90 million, whatever it was, was the standard. And that's what Kyrie did. He read up because he wanted to take the Cavs to the promised land, which, you know, you've been handed the keys to the franchise, so now – you're, you know, you need to deliver. And of course, you're taking the keys to the franchise from the franchise's uh, greatest player at the time, you know, when he left. So everything is good in Cleveland. Kyrie got his money. He knows he's the number one option is his team. And then in the summer of 2014, um, as I know, I'm sure a lot of us was either at work, sitting around the house, 
doing whatever, and you heard that infamous notification on your phone, and you look down and you see um, I'm coming home, and then you see LeBron James, and the whole story releases um, in Sports Illustrated, and he basically wrote a letter saying he's returning to Cleveland and why he's returning to Cleveland. It's bigger than basketball. Cool. Now, unbeknownst to us, the regular fans, we don't know that Kyrie Irving has a problem with this. Immediately when he got the news, he has a pro- He had a problem with it. Now, for most folks, if you get to play with the best player on the planet, oh, man, we're about to go out here and win some championships. But as we've all seen throughout his career, Kyrie is different. Kyrie is real different. So immediately when LeBron shows up, him and Kyrie are clashing with each other because Kyrie feels like he was lied to. It was supposed to be his team. He's supposed to be the number one option. But as good as Kyrie is, you know, when LeBron comes, he's going to be the number one option. That's just how it goes. So, you know, all the credit to Kyrie for being professional about it and, you know, doing what he had to do. That first year was kind of rocky. You could kind of see him and LeBron going back and forth with each other in the media. You could kind of see it in the games. And then when they finally made the playoffs, um, Kyrie looked like a a world beater that first series against the Celtics. Um, But then he got hurt and his knee was – he was kind of on one leg for the rest of the Eastern Conference playoffs. We get to the finals. Everybody knows what happens. Game one, it goes into overtime. Kyrie messes up his knee. It's basically like a dislocation. He got to have surgery. Then fast forward to the next year in the finals – Kyrie's healthy. He comes back. Kyrie hits the shot of shot. NBA champs, bam, everybody's happy. Kyrie got his ring. He hit the shot. LeBron got his third ring. They bought a ring to Cleveland. You'd think everybody would be happy. But no, as I said, Kyrie Irving is different. So that summer, his uh, going into his third year with LeBron in Cleveland, um, he basically said, you know, in so many words that he wanted out because he didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. He wanted to have his own team and all of that. Nothing came of it. And of course, at the time, this news was not public. This didn't come public until the next summer. So after the finals, you see LeBron and Kyrie walking down the uh, the hallway after they had lost. And you heard LeBron say to Kyrie, we're going to be back. We're going to be back. And then in the, you know, the post-conference, you know, Kyrie talks about how much LeBron has taught him this, that, and the third. We're thinking, oh, everything good in the hood. They'll be back for a fourth straight finals, and we'll see this rematch again. A um, few weeks later, the bombshell news breaks that Kyrie wants to be traded, and he wants out of Cleveland. The words being put around that he doesn't he didn't want to play with LeBron. He was tired of being up under LeBron's shadow, this, that, and the third. So he wanted to be traded. He wanted to lead his own team and all of that good stuff. Again, um, me personally, and for most people I know, if you're getting to play with another all we're getting to play with an all-time great player, yeah, you, you know, it, you want to be there along for the ride and all of that. Um, especially if you're playing with people who may consider LeBron to be the GOAT, whatever the case may be. But Kyrie, like I said, is different. And Kyrie's favorite player growing up was Kobe Bryant. And we all know how the Kobe and Shaq thing went. Kyrie probably felt that he didn't want to be looked at 
as I said when I did the Kobe podcast, that he didn't want to look like he was just the sidekick. He didn't want to be Robin. Nobody wants to be Robin. Everybody wants to be Batman. You know, so he ended up getting traded to the Celtics. And this is where I think it really went downhill for Kyrie. So he goes to the Celtics. The first game of the season, of course, great old NBA scheduling is against the Cavs. It's him and LeBron on primetime TV. And it ended up with LeBron going down, hitting the shot to go ahead up one. Then the Celtics miss a shot. They go back down. LeBron misses the three to kind of put the game on ice. And then it comes down to Jalen Brown coming down, pulling up for three, missed. Rebound is got by Kyrie, and on the closeout, here comes LeBron. Kyrie does a little shake and bake. He shoots it. He misses it. I mean, you know, he had his chance to hit the shot of shots to prove, hey, you know, I made the right decision. Shot didn't go down. Cool. That's fine. It happens. Now, they go throughout the regular season, and the Celtics are flying high. The Celtics have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They are literally like the number one seed the whole year. Now, Kyrie's leading the squad, and they're doing some good things. Now, Kyrie's the veteran on the team. Um, Of course, Gordon Hayward had got hurt um, in the first game of the season. Glad to see he's back doing well. Um, He has some veterans like Al Horford and Marcus Smart, who I think is the most overrated trash player in the NBA, but I digress. Um, Everything was going good for the Celtics. And then Kyrie got hurt. When Kyrie got hurt, the Celtics continued to win. And the Celtics literally, a bunch of kids, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, that core of of kids, literally kids, beat the Bucks. They beat the 76ers, who were heavily favored to go to the finals. Then they ended up playing the Cavs. They went up 2-0. Then it was tied 2-2. Then they went up 3-2. Then it was tied 3-3. And then they had Game 7 in the Boston Garden or TD Garden, whatever it's called. But they were literally about a five-minute stretch from going to the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving. Like, they took LeBron and the Cavs to the limit. So fast forward that, they end up losing, go home. They come back this year, Gordon Hayward comes back, Kyrie's back. Now they're at full strength. Of course, they are the trendy pick to go to the NBA Finals out of the East because now they're back at full strength. The young boys are now in Jalen Brown's in his third year, Jason Tatum's in his second year, and they've gotten the playoff experience. They went all the way to Game 7, and like I said, about a five-minute stretch away from going to the NBA Finals up against the game's best player. That's how close they were, and that kind of experience you can't you can't quantify. I don't think you can become a better player without kind of those kind of experiences. So, or a better team too. So, as we've seen throughout the year, the Celtics are up and down. Some games they look like there's not a team in the NBA that can touch them, and as we've seen here since the All Star break, that. I don't think the Celtics have won a game. I think they're like 0-5 since the All-Star break. And the one thing that kind of was a bad part of their relationship between Kyrie and LeBron was LeBron was the older guy, Kyrie was the younger guy, but Kyrie wanted it all right then and there. And LeBron was trying to tell him, you know, this is a process day by day. This is what you're going to have to learn. These are the growing pains. 
Now, Kyrie didn't understand it at the time, but now that he's the, well, he's the quotation marks leader of the Celtics, then he realized, oh, man, these young kids went to the playoffs last year and were that close to the NBA Finals. They don't want to do the things that you have to do to be great every day. It's a process. So Kyrie publicly said, nobody asked him. He kind of just gave the information that he said he he explained the situation of the young kids and he knows what it's like to be the young kid and he understands how frustrating it could have been for another uh, older player trying to lead him. He understood how frustrating it could be. So he called LeBron, apologized about the whole situation in Cleveland and went on about his day. Now, again, this is unsolicited information. Nobody asked this question. This wasn't a rumor that you heard on ESPN or Undisputed or something like that. This was unsolicited information. So Kyrie wanted this information out there, clearly. So my thing is you kind of making yourself look bad because now you've, you've screamed that you want to be the leader. You want to be a leader of a team. You want to lead these men to the promised land. In my experience, leaders don't have to say that they're the leader. You just know. When we played, when I played football in high school, we knew who the leaders on the team was. Was I a leader on the team? Yes. Was I a vocal leader? No. I kind of, I just led by actions. Come out, practice hard. If I do need to say something, say what I got to say and keep it moving. Same thing when I wrestled. You know, after my freshman year, my sophomore year, it was more so a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. I didn't have to say I was the leader of the team. People just kind of gravitated towards me, and, and that's how it went. So I think leaders don't have to say that they're the leader all the time. You just you just know. For example, anybody who know anybody who's watched sports knows that like Ray Lewis was the leader of the Ravens. Ray Lewis is probably one of the greatest leaders on the field that I've ever seen. And off the field, he's a hypocrite, but on the field, one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen. And you would never had to ask anybody in the Ravens who's the leader of the team. You already knew. So that's that's what I mean when I'm saying, you know, about being a leader. So Kyrie for his legacy, he was on top of the world. Like, yeah, he was playing Robin and he didn't want to. And then now he's in Boston where from all intents and purposes that I can see, he don't look happy. He's flip-flopping on what he's saying. Beginning of the season, he said he wanted to re-sign with the Celtics um, if they would have him. Now, here just recently, he said, I don't owe anybody anything. I'm going to do what I want. That sounds like a guy who's about to leave. That's what it sounds like to me. And I think it's all because Kyrie wants to be the man and he wants to win his way and he wants to win and it be about him. Now, again, I told y'all who his favorite player growing up was, which was Kobe. And I think every great player wants to win and be the reason to win. Um, for Kyrie, the biggest example I can give of him still being the same guy he was when he got into the league, a few games ago, I forget who they were playing, but they were down, I want to say they're down by six points, five points, something like that. And... They run a play, screen and roll at the top. Al Horford pops to the three-point line. Kyrie passes them the ball, hits the shot. They score the three points. Then they end up tying the game. The Celtics did. They run this exact same play. And Al Horford is sitting on the wing wide open. 
And instead of Kyrie passing the ball, he just threw up a wild shot, hoping for a foul, didn't go in, they ended up losing the game. Of course, he's getting criticized for this because, you know, he, he my man's was open. So, of course, Kyrie was trying to, you know, be the, the, the hero, which, I mean, hero ball, if that's what you want to do, cool. You know, I'm more so of let's make the right play, but if I hit the shot, cool. Let's move on. As long as we get the dub, I'm good. That's how I feel about it. Um, so Kyrie's decisions, his quotes in the media, the things that he reveals. Um, I just kind of feel like it's really going downhill for him because you said what you said to leave Cleveland and it 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 seemed like it was the the biggest beef on the planet between you and LeBron, which come to find out it was kind of overblown by the media. But you said what you said, you had to leave, and now you're on Boston and you're realizing that this leading thing and being the man of a team ain't the easiest in the world. So to me, Kyrie's next move, whether that be him and Boston management sitting down and really talking about what they're going to do, is – paramount because if he stays in Boston they could potentially get Anthony Davis but if they get Anthony Davis they're gonna have to give up the farm so is it just gonna be Kyrie and AD or are they gonna stick to what they have because Jason Tatum looks like a a star he looks like he's gonna make an all-star team soon and be a regular all-star Jalen Brown looks like one hell of a of a role player he doesn't seem like an all-star to me but he seems like he would be one of the better players in the league they got Al Horford, who's a consummate pro. Gordon Hayward, you know, you y'all saw the ankle injury. It takes time to come back from that. But Gordon Hayward was an all-star in the West, and he used to lead the Jazz. So they got a squad. So is he going to stay in Boston? Is he going to leave and go to New York, which was um, the kind of the rumor he's going to go play for the Knicks because, um, you know, he's from New York, and who wouldn't love to play in Madison Square Garden? Him going to team up with – um, Kevin Durant, that's the, the rumor on the streets. Or, or from, I, you know, I don't remember what reporter said it, but it was real speculation in Kyrie's camp that Kyrie can opt out of his contract this season, this summer, and he might end up on the Lakers back with LeBron because maybe that's where he feels he needs to go play. Again, this is all speculation, but in my opinion – Kyrie's kind of career path and what he wants his legacy and and everything of the on the game to be kind of depends on how the rest of the season goes and what moves does he make during the summer. Granted, like I said, Kyrie's only I believe Kyrie's twenty six, so he got time. It's not like his career is going to end, but with the way that the injuries for him are kind of piling up, especially some of them being knee injuries. Um, he might not have too much time left, so I really want to see him get back to being on the right career path and leaving a legacy that he feels comfortable with. So, again, these decisions that he's making, I don't know who in his inner circle or who he's talking to, but they need to sit down and figure it out because if they don't, man, oh, man, Kyrie Irving could become one of those guys when you're talking about it, you know, with your friends. Like, oh, y'all remember when Kyrie hit the shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what happened to him after that, man? I don't even know. You don't want to be one of them guys. You want to be one of the guys that they talk that they bring up all of the time when we're talking about, you know, the greatest, 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 greatest player. Again, we're always going to remember Kyrie for his handles, but 
what what are we gonna say about Kyrie the the player on the court like what he was and what he could have been you don't want to ever be in that conversation of what he could have been I mean granted you got your NBA title but mm, still got a lot to go you know so we'll see but that's just how I was feeling about Kyrie because like I said Kyrie went to Duke go Duke um I just he went to Duke, so of course I was a fan. He got drafted by the Cavs, and he was a young guard, and he just, like I said, he's a wizard on the court, and he's amazing to watch. So, you know, I hope I hope everything goes better for him. He finds a situation that fits him and, and he's comfortable with, and he can go out there and just play basketball. I think all of the distractions and all of the, the attention that comes with you being the best player on the team, you know, that comes, you know, when you're the leader of the team, you get those awkward questions, and if you don't know how to answer them, now you create more speculation. You know, the media will run with it because that is what they do, especially in today's day and age with talk shows all day, sports shows all day, social media all day. One wrong quote can circulate on social media and you can be the hero of Boston when you wake up and you could be the villain of the whole world by the end of the day. It's the same 24 hours. So I hope Kyrie makes some better decisions going forward in the future and I hope that everything definitely uh, gets better for him going forward. We're going to take a quick break, listen to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Clutch Time with Mike on the mic. Welcome back to Clutch Time with Mike on the mic. So let's jump right into the next topic. Um, So as I said at the beginning, what we were going to talk about here today um, my boy Fox said something on Facebook the other day that I agreed with, and I'm going to read to you what he said, and then we're going to talk about it. So, and I quote, I just need y'all to not forget Trey Young has been better than Steph Curry at every level you've seen them play at. Now, when you hear that, immediately you're going to say, no, Steph Curry's way better. Steph Curry's all-time great. Trey Young just a rookie. Okay, let's, let's, look, let, let's look past that. Trey Young is just a rookie. Steph Curry's been in the league, I think, going on nine years now, 10 years, whatever it is. But look at it deeper than that. We don't really need to go into a bunch of numbers. We know what Steph is, and we know that a lot of people compare Trey Young to Steph because they kind of have the same games. But let's look at them, just them. So Steph was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. He went to Davidson College, which is a smaller school, um, he's played three years, then he went to the NBA, he got drafted eighth overall in the first round. Cool. Trey Young um, was the number 23 prospect coming out of high school. He was a five-star recruit. Trey Young also was in the same class with guys like Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, Colin Sexton, Jaron Jackson, Kevin Knox, um, guys like that. All of those guys that I just named outside of Michael Porter were all drafted in the top 10 of NBA drafts, the last few drafts. Um, Trey Young was drafted fifth overall by the Mavs, ended up getting traded um, to the Hawks uh, for Luka Donitz. So, and then also, let's not forget, Trey Young did play one year in college. Um, he played for Oklahoma. He averaged 27 and 9. He was a first team all Big 12. He was the freshman of the year in the conference. 
and he was a freshman All-American. One year of college, drafted top five in the NBA draft, plays for the Hawks now. So, of course, Steph Curry, we know, is the best shooter that we have all ever seen. We just got to let it go. I know some of us may want to hold on to Ray Allen or Reggie Miller, whoever you want to say, but we're just going to have to, you know, concede Steph Curry's the best shooter we've ever seen. Of course, when Trey Young was coming out, that's who he was compared to because Trey Young is just as good of a shooter as Steph is. Um, he is sneakily athletic. You know, he can get to the rim at will, but he also has a shot. And he's um, he's a pretty damn good passer. So, I, you know, I won't put that past them. And what my man Fox is saying is look at their pass to the NBA, high school, college, now in the NBA. Steph was a three-star recruit. Trey Young was a five-star recruit. So it's it's easy enough to say that Trey Young was a better prospect coming out of high school. Let's look at their college careers. Steph had to play. Steph was in college for three years, and he's you know his claim to fame in college was that crazy run that they made in the NCAA tournament. So you know it took him three years to even become on NBA draft boards to figure out whether or not he would be drafted, and he had such a great season that's why he went so high. Had Steph played one year of college, he might have never made it into the league. Um, Trey Young. He, he, you know, he played his way onto he played his way into the first round when he came out of high school. And after a few games, people were saying he'd probably be a late first round pick or a second round pick. But by the end of the season, he was, you know, in the conversation for top three. He ended up sliding to number five. Um, now, Trey's only a rookie, so we can't really go past that. But Trey Young has completely outclassed. Steph Curry for his rookie season, like completely outclassed. Now, Steph had a Steph probably Steph played on a better team with the Warriors than what Trey is playing on with the Hawks. But if we're just talking about them as a player, like talent wise, give give me Trey Young. And the reason why he's just they're both equal on equal footing when it comes to shooting. Steph has been doing it longer, so naturally we're going to say Steph is a better shooter. But they're both on equal footing as a shooter. They are are awesome three-point shooters. They both have a handle. Trey Young is a way, way better passer than Steph Curry. Trey is better at creating for other people and getting other people involved while still getting his. Steph, it's been like this for his whole career. If Steph's shots aren't falling, like if his threes aren't falling, Steph is useless. Steph is useless. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. And the best example I can give you of that, if y'all go back and watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Steph Curry was one for six in the fourth quarter from three-point line. Steph isn't – he's not athletic. He's not about to just blow past you and get to the rim. Um. He's not about to just – like, he's got handles, he does, but Steph isn't using his handles to blow past you and get to the rim. Steph is using his handles to shoot. Now, he can do that all game. Most games, he's hot. But the games where he can't shoot, nothing's going down, Steph is just a real average player. Now, if you watch Trey Young play, 
if Trey Young's shots aren't falling, Trey Young can still get to the rim at will. He he's quick enough and shifty enough to get to the rim, and he goes to the rim. So he's not all just a shooter. Steph to me is just a shooter. Steph is great because Steph is the best shooter. That's what he's always going to be known as. But if you put Steph in a draft with all of, if you put Steph in a draft, there's 30 NBA teams and there's 30 players. And you put Steph in there, I bet you money, Steph with all time greats. Steph is probably going to go somewhere in that 20 to 25 range. When you think about all of the NBA players, like I said, Steph is just a shooter. Um, I think at this point in his career, Trey Young's probably a better defender than Steph, and Steph has been at this for a while. They literally hide Steph on defense, like hide him on defense. Steph's individual defense is terrible. So what Fox said – is it far-fetched? If you put stats into it, it is far-fetched. But when you just watch them play, literally, when you just watch them play again, or play the game, Trey Young is better. And I ain't trying to knock Steph. I'm not. But talking with, with Juice, of course, he likes sports. He's a basketball player. Shout-out to Juice, smatersfootwear.com. Y'all check it out. Shop with him. Tell him I sent you. But I talked with Juice last night, and I asked him the question, if you take Steph Curry off the Warriors and you put him on, like, let's just say the Charlotte Hornets, take Kimball away and you put Steph there, what, 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 do, you, what do you guys think will happen? You think Steph is still going to be doing what he does in Golden State? Me, personally, I don't think so. Now, Steph is going to get his shots. He's going to make some plays. but I think that the Hornets would be the exact same thing that they are now with Steph Curry and not Kimball Walker. If you put Kimball Walker on the Warriors, then the Warriors are still going to keep going. And for right now, like I said, this is Trey Young's first year. And the way that he's be playing, the way that he's been playing, you can put his name in for rookie of the year. He's probably not going to win it. Luka from Dallas is probably going to win it because Luka's been off the chain with it, but Trey Young quietly down there in Atlanta is having one hell of a year, and it's way, like I said, way better than Steph Curry's rookie year. And if truth be told, Steph didn't really start getting big in the league until his third year and had had the Warriors, you know, never got rid of Mark Jackson, which I think is terrible, and he doesn't get enough credit for what he built in Golden State. Had they never got rid of Mark Jackson and got Steve Kerr, Steph would still just be that guy who was regularly hurt and was getting knocked out in the first round. Steph is in a perfect system for his talents. That's why Steph looks so good. Trey Young, on the other hand, he's not in the perfect system. Look at who he's playing with. I love Vince Carter to death. Vince Carter, like 197 years old. I feel like Vince Carter been along, been alive as long as Morgan Freeman. And that's who he's playing with, and he's still producing, you know, big numbers. He just had 49 and 16 the other night. 49 and 16, 49.16 assists. So I'll take Trey Young any day and every day because Trey Young looks like the real deal already. He's just a rookie. Like he's already ready for the NBA, the NBA. Like he's he's shown he can play in the NBA. It it even the Warriors was kind of like mm, 
I don't know if we want to keep Steph because, one, he can't stay healthy, and his progression from year to year isn't isn't going the way that it should. And just to kind of put that into context, Steph's third year, he only averaged 15 a game. Only 15 points a game, people. His third year in the league, Trey's averaging 18 and 8 his rookie year. So, I Fox, I completely concur with what you said. You might have gone a little deeper into it than I just did because that's what you do. But, you know, I'm taking – Trey Young. If I'm drafting, I'm taking Trey Young. Now, historically, of course, it's Steph, but Steph's got a lot of years on Trey Young, so we still got to see what Trey's going to be. But, um, yeah, for now, give me Trey Young. And real quickly before we end, as you guys heard at the beginning of the podcast, that was Stone Cold Steve Austin doing a promo before WrestleMania 15 talking to The Rock. Now, that is my favorite promo in wrestling history because, you know, I feel like when I do these podcasts and if I had to go on a debate show with anybody, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, Max Kellerman, whoever, Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, Mike Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, whoever. What Stone Cold said, you know, I'm going to roll right in the room 316 and burn that. Yeah, that part, that's me. That's how I feel when I talk sports with anybody. So. You know, that's just me. But um, there's a picture going around, and I got tagged this morning um, on Facebook, and I just said uh, how I felt about it. So basically, it's a picture of of who you got top or bottom. Now, listen to these names as I read these off, and I'll tell you why I say what I say. So the top picture is Batista, um, Ric Flair, JBL, Fit Finley, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Triple H, and Umaga. That's the top. The bottom is Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, The Big Show, Chris Jericho, Edge, MVP, and The Undertaker. Now, anybody who talks wrestling with me knows that I think The Undertaker is the greatest thing ever. Um, He is an icon. All of that. Man is legendary. He's like Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bill Russell, all put into one. That's that's how iconic of a wrestler he is to me. But in this picture, the people that The Undertaker are teamed with, outside of Randy Orton and outside of The Big Show, I love Jeff Hardy. He's from Cameron, North Carolina, literally right up the street from Fayetteville. But Jeff, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Edge, and MVP. I rocks with Edge because Edge, Edge, Edge was one hell of a wrestler, and he had it all. Mike skills, promo skills. He could wrestle. He was fun to watch. Um, they're not beating the top. First of all, they've got Triple H and Shawn Michaels separately. Shawn Michaels is the greatest in-ring performer I have ever seen. Like, I've never – he's I could watch his matches all day. That's how good of a performer it was. He made Vince McMahon look like he was a good wrestler. That's how good of a performer he was. Triple H, 14 times world champion and a sledgehammer to boot. Uh, Batista, the animal. Uh, Ric Flair, 16-time world champ. John Cena, 15-time, 16-time world champ, whatever. I don't like John Cena. John Cena's a joke. He sucks at acting. He sucks at wrestling. Whatever. But those 
five by themselves is enough to beat the bottom. Because even if you match them all up from top to bottom, the only person on the bottom that is, to me, collectively better than the people on the top is The Undertaker. Um, Jeff Hardy on Jeff Hardy in the bottom is only better than the top. He's better than Umaga, JBL, and Fit Finley. That's that's it. Um, the only guys that on the bottom that can hold, uh, you know, can be in the same discussion with the the guys on the top is The Undertaker and Randy Orton. The Big Show is the giant that never was. Um, Chris Jericho really didn't come to fame until. Like he was, he was a a great mid card wrestler in the Attitude Era, but he didn't really make his name for himself until Stone Cold was on his way out, The Rock was on his way out, Triple H was hurt, um, and the Undertaker was moving more so towards a not a a full time role. He was moving more so toward towards a part time role to where he wasn't, you know, he did the shows every week and everything, but he wasn't, you know at the forefront of everything like he was earlier on, you know, in his career. Um, Edge, same way. Edge didn't get big until a lot of the bigger names left. Edge came to fame when it was Triple H and John Cena on Monday Night Raw, and you had The Undertaker on SmackDown, but that was that was really it. That was when WWE was, you know, trying to replace the stars of yesterday with the stars of tomorrow. So... That's what we were looking at. Um, MVP never materialized into anything. Sorry, just didn't do it. They tried to make MVP look like he was going to be the next The Rock, and that didn't work for him. Rey Mysterio, never been a fan. Never been a fan. He would be great in WWE today if he was like on 205 Live and he was kind of in the prime of his career, but he was never good on the mic. He never, I, he's never believable to me. He was just a great high flyer. Sorry. Um, Randy Orton probably is the second, third best heel I've ever seen in wrestling history. Triple H being second, Vince McMahon being the best heel ever. There's no debate about that. Um, and like I said, the big show was the giant that never was. Jeff Hardy, you know, he was more so of a tag team specialist. Then he became a singles competitor, but he couldn't stay out of trouble. That's hence why he left. And then, of course, The Undertaker is the phenom. But the top would win in a landslide. The, the top looks like the top looked like the '96 Bulls, the 2001 Lakers, you know, put together versus I don't know some other finals team. That that's that's what it looks like. So Jay Owens, to answer your question, it's the top in a landslide. Like it's not even a competition. No disrespect to the guys on the bottom, especially the Undertaker, but give me the top, you know, in a landslide. And again, John Cena's trash, and he's a terrible actor. That's just how I feel about it. But um, enough about that. Uh, you know, this is just another episode of Clutch Time with Mike on the Mic. You know, I do this because I love it. You know, I appreciate everybody that listens and shares the posts that I post up and all of that. Um you know, it's all really appreciated. And to all of the people that have listened, subscribed, all of that, can't do anything but say thank you. Like I said, I'm trying to make this thing big and make it, you know, more than what it is. Because if y'all ever see me on ESPN, just know I'm having the time of my life. 
and I found the best job ever. So um, with that being said, it's the end of episode eight. Um, we talked about Kyrie, Steph, and Trey Young, and then that WWE picture. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll be back next week, as always, on Sundays. Clutch time with Mike on the mic. Um, and always remember, I keep having to tell you this, but y'all act like y'all don't believe me. Batman is better than your favorite superhero. I don't care who your favorite superhero is. Batman will beat they tell. There's a picture that says the Avengers knew Thanos was coming and still lost. Pathetic. That's exactly right. I just want y'all to know in DC Comics, Darkseid is like Thanos. They're like the same, same, same person. They both want to rule the world and don't want to die. But Batman's such an OG that the first time that he met him, this man basically took over Darkseid's nukes he disarmed them, then he rearmed them, and he told Darkseid, I will blow your whole planet up if you don't let Supergirl go. And uh, Darkseid was like, you couldn't have broke my code, blah, blah, blah. Batman said what the code was, and then he did the little light-skinned, you know, skinty eye face thingy. And, um, yeah, your favorite superhero can't do that. Superman, Iron Man, the Hulk, all of them. Ain't none of them that tough. But, again, I appreciate all y'all listening. Y'all have a great rest of y'all Sunday. Y'all have a great week. And just remember, this is Clutch Time with Mike on the Mic. What's your favorite mic? Listening to your favorite podcast. Y'all have a good one.